Trichomoniasis is the most prevalent non-viral STI in the U.S. and across the globe, and it's more prevalent than chlamydia and gonorrhea combined. Now, in the U.S., the southern states share the disproportionate burden of infection, with some areas having up to 14% positive rates of infection. Infection with trich vaginalis increases the risk of HIV acquisition, and it's also associated with adverse perinatal outcomes. These include things like preterm birth, low birth weight, and preterm pre-labor rupture of membranes. Although 80% of infections are asymptomatic, there's no national recommendations for trich screening in women who are HIV negative, and that includes pregnant women. Now, if you remember, back on September the 16th, we actually covered trichomonas and we called it the neglected STI. So you can go back and listen to that episode. But in this episode, we're going to focus on trich in a little different light because we're going to focus on the treatment of trichomoniasis in pregnancy with a special focus on women who are asymptomatic. This is really kind of a controversial issue, although at first glance, you would think, well, what's so controversial about it, right? I mean, it's an STI. We treat STIs in pregnancy. Ah, but there is where the gap in data lies because it's not so clear for asymptomatic trichomoniasis. Now, you know me, I'm very CDC friendly, but even the CDC here leaves us in a gap. So we're going to get into all of this. We're going to review the data in this episode. And even though it's kind of controversial and a little unclear, it's a little muddy, don't worry, because we are going to end this episode with some practical advice for treatment of trichomoniasis in pregnancy. So in this episode, let's get to asymptomatic trick in pregnancy. Ah, to treat or not to treat? That is the question. Just trying to keep everyone up to date on evidence-based practice because medicine moves really fast. This is Clinical Pearls. Hey there, Dr. Bach. Hi, how are you? So, I'm great. We're in clinic and I have a random, totally random question. All my questions are random. Yes, sir. Okay, so we have a patient who uh, was found to have asymptomatic trichomoniasis. She's pregnant. Asymptomatic. Feels great. Just did a VP3 for whatever reason. You're like, oh, turns out you have trich. Would you treat her for that? I would. Okay. So did you notice that? It was without hesitation. He said, I would. Would it surprise you that we had a patient this morning who came in, transferred from another provider. So this wasn't like two years ago, three years ago. This was like recently and diagnosed with trichomoniasis. But that physician, again, not our practice, said, mm, that doesn't need to be treated. What do you think about that? Was she pregnant at that time? She absolutely. Okay. Well, I'm not sure. All right. Well, that's why we're going to we'll cover in this episode, because honestly, while, while your reflex answer is my answer, and that's absolutely, the data is a little gray, and the CDC does not take a stance on it. So we're going to cover asymptomatic trick in pregnancy to treat or not to treat. Awesome. How many times have I said that I get ideas for episodes by things that we see every day, either with messages that are sent in through our Facebook page, uh, obviously new things in literature that are coming out in press, but also by real patient encounters. So this morning I was in clinic and sure enough, a patient comes in, she was a transfer from another provider in our community and we took a look at her records and said, oh, oh my gosh, she, she had 
trichovaginalis. So we asked her, hey, were you treated for this? Were you, were you told about this infection? They said, oh, yeah, I was, I was told. I was told that it was an STI, but that we didn't have to be treated for this uh, until I gave birth. And so, so we, I kind of stopped there, and the resident asked, should we treat that? And so my gut instinct, and of course my reflex answer was, yes, we need to treat that. And then, and then I, I did catch myself. I'm like, well, yes, we're going to treat it. No questions asked. Cause it's very conservative to do so. Although the data really is kind of gray. So this other provider that didn't treat it is, well, technically not incorrect because the data is is not strong towards treatment. Now, hold on a minute. Hold on, because that makes me very uncomfortable even saying that. But nonetheless, it is absolutely true. Now, even though there's some controversy regarding asymptomatic trichomonized treatment in pregnancy, I'm going to tell you at the end, I'm going to make my case here, guys, all right? I'm going to make my case. And then at the end, I'm going to tell you why I absolutely favor treatment of this, whether they're symptomatic or not. All right. So I'm going to walk us all the way down through this. But technically, this provider that didn't treat the patient was was is OK. I mean, there is some evidence not to do that. Now, remember, the key word here is asymptomatic. All right. But I'm going to walk down this history uh, of this of the data uh, ending with some very recent statements and including the 2021 CDC recommendations. Um, but it, it's just not that clear. So let, look, let's put this in perspective. If somebody ever asked you, would you treat gonorrhea in pregnancy, symptomatic or not? Of course. Would you treat chlamydia in pregnancy, symptomatic or not? Absolutely. So why would we give trichomoniasis any preferential treatment and not get it treated if they're asymptomatic? Um, most chlamydia is asymptomatic. Hello. They're without symptoms. We treat them. Uh, same thing for gonorrhea. So, so it, it it's kind of weird that trick gets this special favoritism. All right. Now, on September the sixteenth, as I mentioned in the intro, we covered trick in an episode called the neglected STI. All right. Because man, I mean, did y'all hear that in the intro? More common than gonorrhea and chlamydia, yet trick still remains a non-reportable infection. Why? I mean, it's like just going under the radar. Um, in this area of, of, of treat, potentially not treating asymptomatic trick in pregnancy, again, is going under the radar. Wow. I mean, who did trick buy, buy out, right? I mean, what kind of kickbacks is trichomonas getting here? Because it's, it's like, oh, don't worry about trick. It's not so bad. They're asymptomatic. You don't have to treat that. Uh, that's what some say. I'm going to walk us through this. Now, now some are justified because some of the data can be a little misleading, but we're, well, I'm going to tell you why in a minute. Boy, I'm just giving you a lot of kind of setting up the stage here, aren't I? But the short answer is, if you're asked on, let's say, the oral boards, what would you do with an asymptomatic patient, no symptoms, uh, asymptomatic patient who's found to have trichomoniasis in pregnancy? And your answer uh, really shouldn't be, you know, all in or all out. Oh, I get them treated all the time. Now, that's okay as long as you, you soften that blow. And, at this, and I'm going to tell you what that means in a minute. At the same time, you should never totally discredit it like, well, they're asymptomatic. They're, they're just not going to treat that because the answer lies in the middle, right? So here's a proper way that you would answer that question. Oh, how would I treat asymptomatic trick vaginalis in pregnancy? Well, it's an STI. And even though the data is very controversial in asymptomatic infections and the CDC 
honestly doesn't help very much in that regard, I would definitely get them treated and I would treat them because it's still an sexually uh, infectious agent inside the vagina, which could lead to inflammation and therefore the adverse outcomes. However, I have to tell the patient that treatment, even though it's better in her best interest to get rid of this sexually transmitted parasite, it it may not reduce uh, the adverse events. So I treat it because it's there and it's it's not native to her body. It's a true infection. But even though I get I, I can have that treat that infection treated, it may not reduce some of the adverse sequelae. That's how you answer that. Is that clear? So, and I'm going to give you all that scientific backing why that statement is correct. So again, if you're asked, would you treat asymptomatic trick in pregnancy? Please don't write it off like, oh, they're asymptomatic. The answer is no, because the data says not to. No, no, no. The data says not to, but it's got a lot of flaws in it. So you need to be able to be prepared for that. And if you say yes, absolutely, which is totally in my camp, I'm, I'm in that realm. I'm in that school of thought. But you have to be able to explain why. It is an abnormality. It, they're not supposed to have it. It's not considered a, a part of micro, uh, the microbiota. It is a true uh, a, uh, organism that has been introduced to the body that is pathological. And even though treatment may not reduce the adverse sequelae, uh, I, I'm going to treat it because it's there and I want it gone because there's rare cases, but it potentially could be even transmitted to the child, although very rare. Uh, and or it could cause the infection postpartum. So I'm going to touch on all of this as we walk down the data. All right. Boy, my goodness. Uh, I, I, I know I've kind of set it up there and I kind of put, put, it, put the ball right in the tee, but that's the direction that we're going. But before we actually get uh, into this area, before we get into to the trichomonas information, let me give you a little interesting tidbit about how it may be getting more attention than it totally deserves by a new point of care test that may be, maybe, it's not ready yet, but maybe coming out on market soon. So on September the 16th, I called that episode the neglected STI, but maybe this test, if this does get market clearance, this test is in development right now, maybe it'll get more attention and won't be neglected much longer. So here's an interesting little tidbit as it relates to trichomoniasis, all right? Um, did you know that in March of 2023, right? So we're taping this on November the 13th, so not long ago, right? Just seven months ago. Researchers from Washington State University did a press release that they had developed a point-of-care test for trick that uses a finger stick. How about that? By the way, even though this was meant really for women, it's really for anybody because uh, it's not using a speculum. It has nothing to do with the vagina. It's a finger stick. No, they're not looking for trick in your blood, but they are looking for a specific antibody that's made in response to trick. A finger stick. So, I mean, literally could be if this thing passes um, and gets FDA clearance, it could be like a simple test for the same kind of way that you check a, a, a hemocue, you check for a blood sugar. You're like, what? And it, it is a true thing. And this is already being developed and it seems to work. This is similar to how the COVID-19 or pregnancy tests work on a little cassette where you put a drop of blood into the window, and then if if there's positive trick antibody, it would show up, all right? So this is being billed as a point-of-care diagnostic test that is cheap and is easy to read, like, in, in 10 minutes, okay? And it doesn't need any special equipment uh, or specialized training to do. 
Very, very cool, right? Yeah, but it, it's still not ready for prime time, and, and the patent is not even done yet. But I'll put this link in our reference uh, list. But there is, there are people looking at this to get uh, trichomonas uh, more attention, which I'm all for. Um, and, and it takes away, you know, having to do a vaginal exam or something else. So ideally, if this works, then you could do a finger stick for trick. Now, here's what's unclear. Um, well, if it's looking for an antibody. I mean, once it's positive, is like always going to stay positive? Is this looking for IgM or IgG? So that data is still not clear, all right? But the fact that people are looking for a point-of-care finger stick for trach infection to look for antibody is pretty cool. All right, now that we've covered that, now let's get back to the original topic. Before we dive into trichomoniasis, um, I want to touch on a related topic, which is BV. Now, you know, how is that related? Uh, like 45 to 50 percent of trick cases have BV as well. Um, so, yeah, they, they kind of run together. All right. But that's not the reason I want to introduce this. I, I want to get into BV because it makes the point that the CDC is totally okay with not treating not treating some abnormal conditions, all right? So um, trust me, I'm going somewhere with this. So let's take a look at the CDC's guidance for BV, uh, specifically in pregnancy, of course, all right? So the first thing is, all right, are, is it symptomatic BV or asymptomatic? Well, so that's very easy because for BV that is symptomatic, the CDC says, yeah, I mean, you got to treat them. I mean, they got symptoms. You don't want them to be miserable. I mean, vaginal discharge, vaginal irritation, whatever. If they are symptomatic, then the CDC says, absolutely, definitely get them treated uh, with um, the traditional seven-day course of, of metronidazole. That, that's fine. And the CDC does make a point that BV... Um, especially symptomatic BV has been associated with adverse pregnancy outcomes like pre-labor rupture of membranes, preterm birth, intramniotic infection, and postpartum endometritis. Hmm, sounds just like trick, doesn't it? I mean, it's, it's kind of the same deal. It's like gonorrhea and chlamydia because it's an infection of the vagina that can ascend. So that makes sense. So the CDC, to be very clear, says that if there's symptomatic BV, absolutely get them treated. But what about asymptomatic BV? Well, the CDC states that this is much less clear, all right? And it divides groups into those with high risk of preterm delivery and then low risk of preterm delivery. And I find this super interesting because they go through this whole discussion, right? Is a patient at high risk? Is she not at high risk? Uh, and at the end, they're like, ah, oh, it doesn't really matter. If she's asymptomatic, don't, you don't have to treat it. Yeah. So remember, the CDC says that if they are asymptomatic, so you found BV by something else. I mean, you're doing a VP3 because you think they have yeast and you're not really sure. And then, oh, by the way, you also have BV, but they're not complaining of that. Then the treatment may not be necessary. Okay. So even though they, they kind of stratify these things and, and describe this whole of the patient at risk of preterm birth or is she not at, or she at low risk. And at the end, it doesn't make any difference because it doesn't seem to help one way or the other. So let me read you this excerpt from the CDC regarding treatment of asymptomatic BV. And then, like I said, trust me, I'm getting somewhere. This relates to our topic about treatment of asymptomatic trick. All right. So the CDC says, quote, treatment of asymptomatic BV among pregnant women at high risk for preterm delivery, like those who have had previous preterm births, has been evaluated by multiple studies. And this has given mixed results. So here's what the CDC says out of these seven studies. All right. 
seven trials have evaluated treatment of pregnant women with asymptomatic at BV who are at high risk of preterm delivery. All right, so that's the group we're, we're trying to do something with because progesterone now sucks and it's gone, according to who you read, unless maybe vaginal progesterone. And you can listen to that episode on another time. But th- this is all right. You got history of preterm birth. Oh my gosh, you've asymptomatic, asymptomatic BV. What do the seven trials say? Well, one showed an increase in preterm birth. Wham, wham. Okay, two reported no benefit at all. And then four demonstrated the possibility of benefit. So again, I read that as, hey, you got four that showed some benefit. The others uh, that overpowers the ones that didn't or showed potential harm. So I'm okay with that. But the CDC says uh, super controversial, unclear. Um, yeah, probably no real benefit. Now, what about those at low risk of preterm birth? Well, CDC covers that as well. The CDC states that treatment of asymptomatic BV among pregnant women at low risk for preterm delivery has not been reported to reduce any adverse outcomes of pregnancy. All right. So what are we left with? Well, according to the CDC, if they're asymptomatic, quote, routine screening for BV among asymptomatic pregnant women at high or low risk for preterm delivery for preventing preterm birth is not recommended, end quote. All right, so everybody good? So you treat BV in pregnancy to relieve symptoms. You don't really treat BV if they're asymptomatic because it's not going to make a difference one way or the other if even if they're at high risk of preterm birth. Now, it depends on how you look at that. I view that, and I use that as shared decision-making with the patient. I'm like, look, you got a history of preterm birth. Man, I'd, I'd want to get you treated because even though there's seven studies and not all of them showed benefit, Four showed that that it did, but one showed potentially that it kicked you into preterm birth. So it's a little controversial. Do you want to be treated? And if you do, then vaginal therapy is not the best because that doesn't take into account, uh, you know, systemic kind of, you know, uterine uh, possibility of, of, of infection. So it should be oral uh, flagell for seven days. All right. But that is definitely part of shared decision making. But my point I'm making here is you see how the CDC for BV, if they're asymptomatic, even at high risk of preterm birth, CDC is like, hey, you do you, you do what you want to do, but I'm not going to make a stance where or another. I'm not calling it. I, I, I'm just not going there unless they're symptomatic, in which case you're doing it to get rid of their symptoms. All right. And so this is now our lead in because it's very similar to the info on trick, and especially if the patient is asymptomatic, right? So now that we've laid that foundation, look, get ready, because I'm going I'm to drive us down some bumpy roads here as we cover the data on the treatment of trichomoniasis in pregnancy. Several prospective observational cohort studies from the 1980s and going forward have investigated the relationship between adverse birth outcomes and trichomoniasis in pregnant women. And they've all noted this association between preterm delivery, low birth weight, and potentially PROM or PPROM. All right. That that's not the question. We know that trick can absolutely lead to adverse pregnancy outcomes. The question is. Does treatment help that? That's the question, all right? And once again, that depends on whether they're symptomatic or asymptomatic. And, and the data is is a, a, a little hokey here, but let me just say it right at the start. Some of these trials that have been published have a lot of methodological issues, right? I'm going to explain that as we go. So let's start in 2001, 
Okay, so we thought we were good. Hey, we found it. All right, 1980s, their trick in pregnancy is bad. Let's get it treated. We have flagell. We, we have a way to vindicate this. And then comes 2001. Now, in 2001, there was a study that actually showed an increased risk of preterm delivery in asymptomatic pregnant women who received flagell for trick infection compared with placebo. All right. So not only did it not help, it made it worse. Now, this was one study, and we're going to talk about this in a bit, a little bit more when I cover the CDC stance in just a minute. But just remember that this study that showed an increased rate of preterm birth was published by uh, Klebanoff, right? That's K-L-E-B-A-N-O-F-F, Klebanoff, all right? And that was published in the New England Journal of Medicine, 2001. Now, hang on there for a minute because you're like, well, that really sucks. And it does, but there's a lot, there's big issues here, all right? But that freaked people out. So in 2001, we're like, oh, damn. Okay, trick is bad. Uh, so there's that business. And then treatment of trick is but it's possible, possibly even worse. We're like, well, that sucks. But hold on a minute, because let, let's go from there to 2007. In 2007, another publication stated, quote, in asymptomatic women, a delay in treatment until after 37 weeks can be considered with careful counseling regarding condom use and the risk of sexual transmission. They go on to say, there is no evidence to suggest that asymptomatic pregnant women should be offered routine screening for trichomoniasis, end quote. So once again, do you notice that? So six years later, in, in a whole separate journal, this was in the Journal of Clinical Infectious Disease, these authors kind of stick with that stance from 2001 that, hey, um, you know, I don't know if they're asymptomatic and they have trick. Let's just not rock the boat. I mean, they're already at potential risk of issues. Let's not make it worse. Right? There's nothing to see here. Everybody look away. Uh, and let's just treat them when they deliver. The title of this 2007 publication was Trichomoniasis Challenges to Appropriate Management. Oh, this, isn't that such a great title? Uh, so they said, yeah, just look look away, look away. We'll just, don't mess with it. Because remember that 2001 paper? So and th that always made me very uncomfortable. I mean, yikes. They just don't treat it at all so just hang into that because that we're, we're gonna get in we're gonna get into the other side in just a minute but remember we're 2001 now 2007 and so the vibe so far is yeah just just let it go we'll treat that postpartum now wait a minute if you're thinking well why why would these authors in 2007 uh say that i mean what are they basing it on just that 2001 publication no 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 it wasn't because between 2001 and 2007 there was more confusing info all right so in 2003 okay so, and, and these authors in 2007 reference this publication from 2003 in the gray journal that's the american journal of OBGYN. and this study seemed to confirm that treatment during pregnancy was kind of sucky Okay, so this was an intent to treat subgroup analysis, all pregnant. Now, all of these had culture positive trick vaginalis. How that tells you how old school that is, right? Nobody does trick cultures anymore. Uh, anyway, but but they did that, uh, and they looked to see which group had higher rates of low birth weight uh, with 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 treatment uh, or without. And they found that ooh, those that had treatment actually had a higher group of low birth weight and higher rates of, of issues, all right? Although rates of prematurity were not different between the groups. 
but but here is a big issue with this 2003 study that's referenced in the 2007 article from uh, the Journal of Clinical Infectious Diseases that made those authors say, yeah, just wait till till 37 weeks uh, or until postpartum. Okay, and, and here's the issue. Um, those that were treated in this 2003 intent-to-treat analysis were treated either with Zithromax, Cefixime, or 2 grams stat dose of Flagyl. Uh, so you didn't know which one got what. And not only that, but Flagyl as a 2-gram stat dose is not recommended anymore. Uh, that changed in 2021. So before it was ease of compliance, but now we do the 7-day Flagyl 500 BID as, as is typical. So there's a lot of issues here. See, I said at the beginning, this, this is a big issue because they, they couldn't tell which one exactly, which group failed based on what they took, and they used the wrong dose of medication. So that's a huge gap here. Now, if you're one of the editors back in 2003 of the Gray Journal, wouldn't you at least think, hey, man, shouldn't we really take a look, like stratify for which med was used rather than just grouping them all under this is the treatment group and then versus the non-treatment group? So which one worked or which one didn't? I mean, they were all kind of lumped together. Plus, in, two, in this 2003 publication, there was no other uh, multivariate analysis to look at any other confounding factors like the mother's pre-pregnancy weight, presence of other STIs, smoking. Those are huge misses. But nonetheless, despite those limitations, in that 2003 paper, the authors in 2007 kind of sided with the 2001 stance that, look, there's just too many unknowns here. Yeah, they got tricked. It sucks. And we know it causes issues in pregnancy. But let's just wait until they get to term or until they deliver, and then we can deal with it then. Um, I don't like that. I mean, that's that's just leaving a patient with a known STI untreated. Um, it just doesn't seem right. Now, hold on. Hold on. So I'm giving you the one side of the argument, which is don't treat in pregnancy because potentially it could make things worse. All right. And uh, and or not help at all. And I'm still in this camp. But there is another study that rebuttaled the 2001 randomized trial that found the increase in preterm birth. And I'm going to give you that in a minute where they say, yeah, hey, we treated trick in pregnancy and nothing happened at all. And, and I'm going to give you that info, that, that rebuttal argument when I talk about the CDC's stance, okay? But right now we're in the on the side, the school of thought, which is, no, let's not rock the boat, okay? We're, we're still in that group. And let's continue. In 2014, out of the journal Sexually Transmitted Diseases, a systematic review and meta-analysis was published by Silver et al. Now, they confirm what we all have already suspected and we've already learned, that trach vaginalis in pregnancy leads to potentially bad things, including preterm birth. We get that. that. That's not the issue. But once again, they put out this, this obvious statement that there's a gap in knowledge about what treatment does or does not do. Here's what the authors stated, quote, Further studies that address the current gap in evidence on treatment effects in pregnancy are needed, end quote. Did you catch that? Current gaps in evidence on treatment effects. Yeah, I mean, that sucks. That's, this is the issue here is, you see, when you already start with trick in pregnancy, they're already at risk of issues. 
I mean, trach- it doesn't just live by itself. As we already mentioned, about 50% of the time, one out of two, there's BV, which also increases risk of preterm birth. Do y'all get this? So to say, ah, oh, just focus on trick by itself when it's typically a co-infection, that's why some of the data doesn't look all that impressive when you treat because there's other stuff that may be going on, including other STIs, all right? And, and so that's the issue. But just to completely throw the baby with the bathwater out, like, oh, it's all a no. That's a no-brainer for me. I'm not going to treat that. We got to know that these studies really do have some limitations. So having said that, let's keep going. Remember, that was in 2014 by Silver et al. in the journal Sexually Transmitted Infections. We are walking down our timeline, guys, right? We started in 2001. We talked about 2003, 2007, 2014. Now we're landing in May of 2020 with a publication from the Green Journal. This article's title is Trick Vaginalis in Pregnancy, Patterns and Predictors of Testing, Infection, and Treatment. So as stated by these authors, the objective was not to see the rates of preterm birth or PPROM or any adverse pregnancy issue at all. They just wanted to see how prevalent this condition was at their institution, okay? So it has nothing to do really with with treatment per se. It literally is looking at, at prevalence. This was out of Grady Hospital in Atlanta. It was a retrospective study, and it took place from July 2016 to June 2018, basically two years, all right? Okay, fine. So the short of it is they found, quote, we we found a high rate of trichomoniasis, identified risk factors for infection, and highlighted deficiencies in diagnostic accuracy and revealed delays in treatment and high rates of reinfection or persistence, end quote. All right. Now, so, so again, the, their main focus isn't looking at preterm birth or adverse issues is, is this thing really a problem or not? Short answer is they're like, yeah, it is. Although, as our disclosure, uh, we have a very uh, high-risk population. Uh, you know, we, we take care of people who that otherwise fall into the gaps. So take that for what it is. Okay, fine. But that's not really what I want to focus on. I want to focus on w- w- the statement that they wrote here that is exactly the issue. I'm trying to highlight here that there's this gap in data, in knowledge uh, of of what happens when we treat pregnant women with this condition with appropriate medication. They write, quote, although testing for and treatment of trichomoniasis during pregnancy is not routinely recommended. So did you hear that? Although testing and treatment of trichomoniasis is not routinely recommended. Oh, that makes me so uncomfortable. So in this 2020 publication, they stay right there. Uh, treatment of trach in pregnancy is not routinely recommended. But they go on to say, we just, we just don't have th- that information, that knowledge, that, that data to say, yes, this seems to have true benefit. My stance in trying to be evidence-based is, hey, we have a gap in, in knowledge, absolutely. But, but are we going to leave a patient with a known pathogen that's not part of the normal microbiota uh, that we already know is linked to adverse issues? Should we leave them with it or should we treat them? Remember my adage, guys? Just answer. Here it is. Can it help? Absolutely. Can it hurt? Ah, now wait a minute. Can it hurt? Well, according to that one publication in 2001, it seemed that it could, but there was a lot of methodological issues with that. And I'm going to tell you what those are in just a minute when I cover the CDC stance. And another publication that followed that said, yeah, that was not right at all. So, can it help? Absolutely. Can it hurt? 
with better data and things actually accounted for the right way, it, it doesn't seem to hurt. No. So remember, at the end, I'm going to give you what most people, especially OBGYN, thought leaders, uh, I'll give you some references at the, at the end, uh, would say whether they're symptomatic or not, despite the gaps in the data, yes, you should absolutely treat trichomoniasis in pregnancy. All right, guys, hang with me because we're now at the CDC recs at 2021, okay? Uh, and there were some changes here because before, as I mentioned earlier, it was a two-gram stat dose and they're like, hey, just knock it out. We'll give it one time. It's good for compliance and you're done. But now, obviously, it's a seven-day course of treatment. Um, but but I want to read you directly from the CDC because your thought is, oh, wow, why is there just an issue? Just look to see what the CDC would say. But while it's clear for those with symptoms, the CDC totally hedges the conversation as it regards to asymptomatic trichomoniasis. Okay, so let me read this to you directly from the CDC website. Quote, trach vaginalis infections among pregnant women is associated with adverse pregnancy outcomes, particularly pre-labor, rupture of membranes, preterm delivery, and delivery of infants who are small for gestational age. End quote. All right. Okay, guys, that sounds pretty good. We get that, right? Yeah, the take-home message is trick in pregnancy is bad. Okay, trick, bad. Then it gets into, okay, symptomatic or asymptomatic. For the symptomatic infection, it's very clear, just like symptomatic BV. The CDC states that symptomatic pregnant women, regardless of pregnancy stage, should be tested and treated. So symptomatic, test for it, and treat it. Good. Now, treatment of trach vaginalis infection, according to the CDC, quote, can relieve symptoms of vaginal discharge for pregnant women and reduce sexual transmission to partners, end quote. All right, I'm good with that. That makes sense. The CDC also throws in this kind of rare condition of perinatal vertical transmission, and it's super rare, but it is a thing, and the CDC recognizes it, quote, Although perinatal transmission of trichomoniasis is uncommon, treatment also might, re- re- might prevent respiratory or genital infection in the newborn, end quote. Okay, so how about that? So if they're symptomatic, treat them because it can get rid of their symptoms. And it, though it's rare, it could potentially cause respiratory issues or super rare genital infection in the newborn. So get them treated. Okay, that's fine. Well, if there's trick in the vagina... If there's trick in the vagina, why would that not hold true for asymptomatic patients? But that's not what the CDC says. It's a lot more money for asymptomatic trick patients. The CDC states that one randomized trial of pregnant women with asymptomatic trick reported no substantial difference in preterm birth after treatment with the two grams of flagell 48 hours apart, either between 16 and 23 weeks or between 24 and 29 weeks compared with placebo. All right, guys, this is the 2001 uh, Klebanoff study that I already told you about, all right? So if you read that, just read the excerpt from the CDC, you're like, oh, man, bummer, that, that didn't seem to help. But th- there's a lot of, of, of limitations here, and the CDC does actually go into that. It says, yeah, but all right, it didn't seem to help, potentially made things a little bit worse. But the first thing is they use an atypical regimen. I mean, it was two grams taken once, and then they kind of made up their own deal and said repeat it in 48 hours. We don't know what that does. That's not traditionally how it's done. Um, because remember now, it's the five, it's a seven-day course of treatment that's recommended. 
Plus, interestingly enough, this higher risk of preterm birth with treatment was not found in a subsequent study published in 2009, okay? And that was published in the Journal of Women's Health. Now, that was not an RCT. That wasn't randomized. This one from 2001 was randomized, but again, with a lot of methodological issues and the treatment was kind of goofy. But in 2009, in the Journal of Women's Health, a a retrospective study done by uh, Joshua Mann found that treatment with oral flagell did not increase the risk of preterm birth in women who are diagnosed with TRIC. So how about that? So the CDC, I'm glad, at least kind of lays out this controversy, but it doesn't say what to do with asymptomatic patients. It says symptomatic, definitely treat them. Asymptomatic, it says, um, well, there's this one study that kind of shows potential harm. There's another one that doesn't show that it didn't do anything. Uh, Okay, so we're done with that conversation, and they leave it at that. Well, I guess they don't just leave it completely at bay. I mean, they do touch on Tindamax, and the short of it is they're like, hey, we don't have enough data. Uh, there could be some potential for risk there, so so don't use Tindamax uh, in pregnancy or even in, in breastfeeding. I mean, like, if you're going to use it, they have to uh, basically pump and dump for now, so so don't use uh, Tindamax. Stay with uh, metronidazole, a.k.a. Flagyl, all right? So you see how for trick in pregnancy, the CDC says, hey, treatment of symptomatic cases, I'm all for that. Nobody wants patients to be symptomatic or bothersome, so bothered by these issues or treat them. Asymptomatic, uh, I don't know. One trial said maybe it's harmful. Another one didn't, said maybe not. But and, and they do not make a true recommendation for asymptomatic treatment. So, yeah, it's a little frustrating. I mean, and it's it's still here. I mean, this isn't like something historic. I mean, we have the 2001 kind of, you know, issues with that study. But even in 2021, and this is the last study that we're going to mention. Okay, guys, we're, we're going to bring this to a close. But in 2021, out of BJOG, there was a systematic review and meta-analysis on this very subject. Uh, and, and everybody agrees. Yeah, trick in pregnancy is bad. Uh, we we got to do something about it. The question is, what do we do about it? Because treatment may or may not help. As those authors in 2021 stated in BJOG, quote, rigorous studies are needed to determine the impact that universal trick screening and treatment during pregnancy may have on reducing the incidence of adverse birth outcomes, end quote. So sounds controversial, right? And it is, and it's super conflicting, and it's kind of confusing, for sure. But as we get ready to close, let me leave you with a very conservative approach here that most medical experts in the field, including uh, infectious disease physicians, SMFM physicians, uh, uh, and even, I don't like to reference up-to-date, because up-to-date is not a reference. I hate when my med students do that, or, or the residents never rep, never quote to me an up-to-date thing. Up-to-date is great, guys, by the way. I've got friends who write on that. Linda Bradley is one of my huge mentors. She writes for gynecology on there. Fantastic. But remember, up to date is is the opinions of the authors it's evidence based but but it's it's not a reference point now you're as, as I tell my medical students use up to date as as some bearings it's a compass to point you in the direction of the data and then you go look at the data yourself uh and then and then you decide all right um, and I don't always agree with some of the things that some of the authors in up to date write, but I sure do agree with them in this case. So let me give that to you as we get ready to close next. As I mentioned earlier in the episode, leaving the patient with a true 
a pathogenic organism. Uh, just to go on and continue pregnancy makes me very uncomfortable and it should make you very uncomfortable as well. And as I've already stated, as I, I don't always agree with statements made in Up to Date, but I absolutely do agree with them on this one. As stated on the Up to Date website regarding trichomoniasis and pregnancy, the authors write, quote, treatment of pregnant persons with or without symptoms is indicated as trich vaginalis infection is common in pregnant women and can be associated with adverse pregnancy outcomes, end quote. Did y'all get that? So according to these authors, because we know that trick by itself is bad, and we're not sure if treatment makes it worse and potentially can help, then go ahead and treat them with or without symptoms. Yep, thanks, up to date. I agree with that 100%. Our department's policy is to treat all patients who are pregnant and diagnosed with trichomoniasis because it reduces their chance of STD acquisition, it reduces the chance of postpartum metritis, and we cannot leave a patient with a known risk factor for adverse pregnancy outcomes, just leave them alone to see what happens. I have potential medical ethical conflicts with that. And so in my opinion, whether you're symptomatic or not, as up to date stated, if you find trichomoniasis on PCR testing, yep, that needs to be treated. All right, podcast family, that brings us to a wrap. So trichomoniasis in pregnancy, whether they're symptomatic or asymptomatic, should we treat them? Well, based on the most conservative approach. And even though there's gaps in the data, absolutely get those patients treated. So as we bring this to a close, yeah, that physician, I can't say he was technically wrong because there are some stances that say don't treat. But it's odd that sometimes you can still be in line with the data, but not technically be following best practice. Is that wild or what? All right, podcast family, send me a message. Let me know what you do in your patient population. Do you treat trichomoniasis in pregnancy, whether they're symptomatic or not? I want to hear from you. As always, we're thankful for you, and we're glad you're part of our podcast community. And we'll see you on another episode of Clinical Pearls.